Podcast, episode number 139. This is Greg Duncan, and I am still in this open-roofed glass cube on the floor of the hub at Build. That's right. We're doing two... We did two recordings back-to-back. We're not going to release them back-to-back, though. Ed, you're going to come (laughs) next week. Okay, good. I I think. Um, But if you guys hear glasses clanking and stuff in the background, uh, the reception, the welcome reception is about to start, and there is a bar right behind that wall, right behind you. So you may hear some clanking and and stuff, especially as we're, like, waving to bring us the beers. Hey, (laughs) bring us the beer. Um, But Greg and I are not drinking right now. (laughs) Let's just establish that. Yeah. But we should. I tried, and I got my hand slapped. Like, <laughs> they're, just they're serious. Coke. 6 yeah. p.m. We got 60 And how'd you seconds. steal yours? You got two cans Oh, no. Here. I went way downstairs for oh, these. So. Wow. That's all right. <laughs> In any case, today, In case, yeah. um, we have Ed Blankenship w- yeah. joining us. And you were saying, when was the last time you were on Radio TFS? Oh I looked, and it was seven years ago. Wow. Last time I was on Radio TFS with Martin, seven <laughs> years ago. At PDC, seven years ago. Uh, that's kind wow. of... Wow. Kind of makes you feel old, it's doesn't it? blast from the past, yeah. <laughs> no, like, it totally does. Like, I've been, you know, so I've been with TFS from the very beginning, and Martin has to, and a ton of us have. And, like, I was looking at um, some of the new uh, people who are at the booth, today and i was like oh my gosh i don't there's like our team has grown tremendously and i'm i'm, I'm constantly seeing new faces and i'm like wow okay it's like who then, are you yeah. yeah yeah and then they'll ask so like how long have you been with the team and i'm like well <laughs> stop so killing me it's like oh that's yeah, humble brags <laughs> so you were an mvp before right before yeah, you joined microsoft yeah, yeah for five years before Microsoft, so it, it'll be five years at Microsoft in about two or three weeks. Um, wow, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, five years as MVP before um, Infogistics. I uh, was a re- release engineering manager. I did some consulting for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, I was a dev. So, but what people don't know usually is that my first year as an MVP was actually as a WPF MVP. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I, uh, I was able to get back into the TFS world really <laughs> easily, so uh, good old Chuck Sterling helped out. Um, so what is your title? What do you do at Microsoft? That is a really good question. So um, I'm the product manager for our DevOps family of products, okay. and uh, that's Visual Studio Team Services, Team Foundation Server, Application Insights, Hockey App, uh, just there's a lot there, <laughs> and so uh, I end up helping okay. going through like our business model, mm-hmm. like how we uh, how we scale through our field. I don't know if you've ever uh, looked at Microsoft, but like a lot of the work that we do is not actually from the corporate team, but mm-hmm. on the ground, like our local tech salespeople, our local evangelists, our local partners, our local, like, we even have subsidiary marketing teams. Like, the Microsoft engine is actually pretty, pretty, like, huge and, like, tons of cogs in the in the pipeline there. But uh, I mainly try to look at, like, how can we help all of those people be as effective as possible? Mm-hmm. And then scale through them so that we can make sure that we have the best presence on the ground. So there's a lot, 
And then I get put on all sorts of th- different things. So uh, <laughs> whatever the whatever the special project is that needs to get done. So my last one has actually been about uh, helping TFS customers uh, come to Visual Studio Team Services. So, okay. Yeah. Now we've talked about that in previous shows. Um, let's talk some more about that. Now let me set you up a scenario. Yeah. Let's say we have a small 130-person company, dev team of about 12 people across different disciplines. Mm -hmm. They've been using TFS on-prem since 2012. They've upgraded to 2013. They've upgraded to 2015. Now they're on 2017.1. Good. Yep. Okay, all in the same box. Yep. Which we've been pushing that box on the same that, box. On the wow. same box. Yes. And it is, but at the end of its life, <laughs> oh, because yeah, sure. it's a uh, uh, Server 2008 R2, SQL Server 2014, because we couldn't put 2016 on 2008 R2. Yeah. Um, so this is basically yeah. it. The next TFS wow. is not going to be able to go on this box. <laughs> We or this company, this scenario that yeah, we're setting that, up here uh, for a friend, right? All right. <laughs> um, we've been using it for a long time. Yeah. So there's project rot because yeah. you know the teams have come and changed, and oh, yeah. you set up a, a repository, you set up a TFEC project uh, for a team, and then now that team is gone, but yep. the code is still there. So there's all of this rot. People have come and gone. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> and but. And we always thought, because we're in the litigation service provider, yep. in the litigation space, you know, the, the cloud's always been scary. Oh, yeah. Extremely scary on it. Oh, but yeah. we've gotten a breakthrough on it. We've actually, we're on Office 365 now. Yep. All of our emails on it. So we've, are, we've already sold the clients. There. Yep. Yep. And, and so we're already in the cloud. We're already moving yeah. to the cloud. We've already got executive buy-in to move to VSTS. Yep. Oh, great. We've got the, the the site set up and everything. Are we doing it tonight? But <laughs> we should just do yeah, it. Right, yeah. <laughs> Let's get the laptop. Um, <laughs> I mean, because it it really is that possible. We can we can get your TFS server up and going. I usually like to do it on a Friday night so that everyone is good to go on Monday. But <laughs> we, I mean, a couple more beers. Really the, line, the beer line is a bit long right now. I know, so I, know. I, I guess <laughs> let that line go down a little bit and. Then we'll have to come back and do that. That's right. Now that would be a podcast. Oh, my God. That would be a really good podcast. <laughs> Here we go. Start the stopwatch. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, God. Rogan's going to hate me. <laughs> um, I'm sure he's in the line for beer right now. So. But, yeah. Uh, w- the, the problem that I'm facing, conceptual in my head problem, is we have the project rot. Yeah. Should we... And we're all on TFVC. Yep. Okay, which is okay. It's fine. It's fine. TFVC is perfect. You know, we don't have to be ashamed about be, about being TFVC. No. Um, we got a lot of comments from people uh, uh, that we talk a lot about Git and yeah, yeah. But no, t- centralized reposit, uh, centralized version control like TFVC is still important in several different scenarios, and it's fine. Like it works. Like that's that's why we're not really talking about. Uh, TFEC that much is because it works. Like, <laughs> there's not much more you need to do to that. And so we're really behind on the Git stuff. Right. Actually, I think we're really good now, but like, it took us a while to like kind of catch up and stuff. And mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, TFEC is still great. <sighs> so, but the thing that's gotten me going, I mean, it's, uh, Paralysis by analysis. Yeah, okay. Okay. Let's break it down. It is that, you know, we've got the project rot. Should we start fresh yep. in VSTS? Okay. 
No. Uh, I don't think you should. Okay. And, like, what I would do is, if there really are projects that really aren't even being touched, then one approach you can take is actually splitting your collection. So what okay. you'll do is you'll take all the stuff that really is, doesn't matter anymore. You just need an archive of it. And just split that into another collection. Make okay. it your archive collection. And then you've got a collection that has all the remaining team projects that are important to you. Like the history and like the project data and all the builds and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And you keep that there. And then you import both of those as two separate VSTS accounts within the same act- Azure Active Directory tenant. Right. So it's part of a, the same organization. But... You have an archive there if you yeah. ever need it, but you've kind of, you know, kind of gotten the cruft out, if right. you will, so that you can keep on the other, the other one, um, and and keep it going. So that would be the first decision I would make. Right. Is is you could do that, or I mean, I've seen people just bring in everything together and then decide what they want to do with it later. Right. See, my worry about that is, you know, developers, man, we're lazy. If we got it working, yeah. it works. We've got all of our CI, CD pipeline working now. Um, yeah. It's great, you know. And I want to fix it. Yeah. But it's working. You know? so it's yeah, like, no, that's fair. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it is a disruptive step. Um, if you plan it out really well, and you can do it over a weekend then it's actually not that disruptive to the actual team members. <laughs> so, like, yeah, there's there's going to be, like, the, the people at Microsoft who are going to help you over that weekend. There's going to be, uh-huh. you know, us sitting down and actually, mo- you know, watching the migration, make sure it keeps moving. But it's actually, it's not too disruptive to the actual team members. They're going to switch the URL and everything will work. Like, when you talk about the build and deploy agents... You're just going to reconnect the same exact build and deploy agents to VSTS. And it's going to think that it is actually that same build agent that was there before. And huh. it will connect up to the same pools and everything. So so I, there are some steps that you're going to do on Sunday night right. or Monday morning. Uh, you know, I've been through a couple of these really big ones. Um, there's a company. I was the champ <laughs> for a really large company um, named Blackbaud out in Charleston, South Carolina. And I was actually one of the first people who installed that server. And, you know, <laughs> through my consulting years, I kept it going and, like, like had a really good relationship out there. And then I, I ended up moving to Charleston, too. So that was fun. Um, and I never had, like, local consulting jobs in Charleston. <laughs> I always had to travel somewhere. Um, but I kept helping the Blackbot team. But I felt like I felt like that TFS server needed to be up in a VSTS. And even that huge, large server, we were able to get it over in a weekend. And then, like, the most work we had to do was just reconnect the agents and make sure the builds are running again. But they were. So it's totally possible. Now, this is going to sound like a... (laughs) For somebody who's been doing this podcast as long as I have, this is going to sound like a lame question. Um, okay. Spinning up a new project collection. Uh, I know how to do that, but you can actually move team projects easily so, using, all right. between them? That or? is a good question. So we're not moving team projects. What okay. you're doing is when you're splitting a collection, right. you're actually cloning it, and then you're removing projects from one and removing the other projects from the other. Okay. To basically make two. Got it. 
Okay. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, because team projects aren't portable across that isolation boundary. Right. So right. It's, it's good to know the, the nuances and mechanics there. But we have a whole... You just... Um, you know, Bing or Google uh, split a, coll- a TFS collection. There's a whole thing that tells you just how to do it. It's actually pretty easy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. You just want to make sure you have space on your database server because you're actually making a clone of, of the whole database and then cleaning it down. Right. Okay. Yeah. And that, that might be... It is an approach. A, you're right. Because there is, is an approach. I think we're going to do a staged migration because we have other, we have essentially two main groups in our building who are using TFS. Yeah. Um, we have some, uh, essentially, they're called scripters, but they're, you know, they're, they use lots of SQL Server scripts, um, you know, SQL Server Management Studio, all of that. And there's a series of projects for them. Yeah. And they're totally isolated from the other projects where we have our CI and CD pipelines in, 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 in uh, <laughs> real code. Yeah. Uh, they don't listen to the podcast, so I can say yeah, that they're yeah, not Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> For um, a friend, right? <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, so we're going to keep the scripters you know, on-prem. Okay. And then the developers who are, who are <laughs> more open to the change, more open to the migration, oh, yeah, more open yeah. to just easier. Uh, Get them to be good champions so that they can convince exactly. the others. Exactly. Oh, that's a great... Exactly. Great consulting 101 trick there. Right. So, yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. Good. So we clone it, move new projects over, yep. get it up there. Huh. Now, it's... Um, so I swore I would never write another book <laughs> <laughs> after the TFS books. And uh, not because, you know, Martin and I and Brian Keller and, and Grant and... Um, uh, we had so much fun writing the book. It was great to put, like, all of our thoughts down. Uh, but, like... Because of how quickly we're moving um, and how frequent the updates are, like uh, the thing I told our publisher was, I didn't really want to get into the continuous publishing business because <laughs> there's a lot of work. Like, you know, actually, the, the biggest oh. amount of work that you would be surprised is actually updating screenshots. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I say that, uh, and then I ended up, uh, so the migration guide. We're going from TFS to VSTS. I ended up writing that over a couple of weeks. Huh. Um, and it felt I, like a book. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I actually printed that uh, yeah. out because I'm old school. And I was on my yeah. desk when I was looking at it. And I, I really, like, I didn't mean it to be that long. But what I right. what I tried to do was I tried to think, like, back to my consulting days, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, if I could, like, boil this down into, like, something somewhat cookie cutter, like, that's a very easy way to, like, follow the process and have, like, checkboxes and, you know, <laughs> checklists and notes. And, like, like it, it's a good place to kind of, like, be a map towards all the other documentation that's available if you catch right. yourself in that situation. Uh-huh. So, like, uh, and there's a lot of, like, uh, space so that people can write notes and stuff like that. So I actually, like... I really intended for it to be something that people would print out. That's your project plan. Like, that's how you track things. Even consultants could right. have it as, like, one per... It reminded project. me very much of the ALM Rangers documentation. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I got, I, I got a slight whine. Is the, there's a time frame. Uh, VS, um, TFS version uh, ah, yes. timeline map that the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. migration tool will support. And yeah, TFS doing... 2015 just dropped off. 
Yeah, we, and we extended that a good bit, too. Or I'm trying to remember if we still have a few more weeks of it. But you're right. So there's like an N and an N minus 1. Right. And so every uh, every release, including updates, will have uh, roughly six months of support. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's talk about that. Like, yeah. I wish we could support any version of TFS. And it's something that we're actually looking into, like... Um, from our end, like we, if we took in a 2010 server or we took in a 2015 server or whatever, I mean, we we could go and like hook it up to a TFS server and run the, all the upgrade steps and like do a bunch of that stuff. Well, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna figure that out, right? Like, I I really hope we can solve that problem. But in the meantime, we actually um, there's enough change between each update. Like, if you think about the database schema, if you think right. about like all the things we need to, you know, even like new services or new things that that have, uh, you know, data between them that's right. just different. Like keeping up with even two, we have two branches actually, one mm-hmm. for N and one for N minus one of TFS Migrator itself. That it, it's enough work for us that we want to make sure that the team that we've invested in to keep up with those updates aren't spending all of their time on making sure that because you you add one more complex you know one more <laughs> item to the matrix it you know right. it, it just it just makes things much more complex so that's all that's the only reason why we did that we like that team needs to also make sure that they're investing in the other uh, platform things that they're doing right. uh, and doing new features to TFS migrator as we like learn from other migrations that have happened. Um, so it's, it's always one of those balances uh, that we have. So that's the only really reason that we, we said, okay, six months. And then, to be honest, here's a bit of a consulting trick here. <laughs> I, I can't believe I'm actually going to uh, be honest about this. But, like, sometimes... What, consulting isn't honest? No, no, no. Or, no, 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 no. Wait. Sorry, this little trick. <laughs> yeah. So this little trick is about putting pressure on making the project happen. Okay. And so, <laughs> so, especially with enterprises, right? Like, yeah. like you know how slow things can move <laughs> yes. if there's no forcing function. Yep. And so, what was good about this was you can say, look, like, we can get started, but if you don't want to get into the continuous upgrading business, you know, always chasing, like, what's supported right. in the database import service, you want to just say, look, we're going to get this done. We're going to spend a few weeks on it. You know, it it gives you enough time to say, look, we can push this forward. And I've seen in several cases where that, like, that dropping of support deadline Mm -hmm. was really, like, a thing that pushed the IT teams and the other teams and, like, everyone saying, you know, there's never a good time to migrate, by the way. You know, if you're in a big enterprise, (laughs) like, no weekend is going to be good because it's in the middle of someone's release. (laughs) So... Like, you need some kind of forcing function in there. And it just happens to be that I think that our time our, our time windows for support actually are kind of a good way to help force that project along in, in good, healthy ways. So, Okay, I can There's see a little that. Bit of I, I, can, I, I, can, <laughs> I can give you that. Um, I mean, it pushed us to move to 2017. And, hey. and there's... I already... Success. Told this story on, on the past podcast. I, I, I did an accidental upgrade. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, on my production server, 
for, for whatever reason, I was stuck on stupid. And I thought I could do a readiness check without actually installing oh, the bits. No, it installs it and then and it removes it the previous. Oh, and, and I've so done that too. Okay, oh good. I'm, not, I'm glad that I'm not alone. Boy, oh I felt, I've, I've felt like an idiot since I did it. Thankfully, uh, in that environment, there were five ATs. So <laughs> uh, the one AT that took itself out of the rotation was okay. Oh. <laughs> well, me, I was... Oh, my yeah, no, so I, we were in that middle dead zone. Yeah. And I went ahead and re- did the readiness checks, and they all passed, and they were all good to go. I... I pulled the trigger. I said, you know what? I'm not yeah. going to try to uninstall this and reinstall 2015. Let's go forward. And it's been working like a champ. Great. It's so good that it just yeah. worries and how was, me. How long was the upgrade? Like, oh, wait, it, was, said, it was nothing. Our yeah, projects yeah. are, we're go. not doing that much. I mean, we're not doing any work item tracking. Unfortunately, we're using a third party solution That's for that. Cool. But um, for right now, that may change. Yeah. Uh, well, the 2017 stuff is even better right. from a work item standpoint. Love. We we talked about delivery plans today. Right. We made those included as part of. You know, there's no extra charges there. When right. is the new build, uh, the release management task editor? Yeah. When is that coming to TFS on prem guys? Um, let me think. The last time we had a discussion about this, um, I don't think it's going to be coming in an update to 2017. I think it's actually going to be the next release of TFS. Because um, we're starting to lock down uh, TFS 2017. So I have a feeling it's actually going to be uh, the next version of TFS. I, we haven't even figured out what, <laughs> what that name is yet. It's <laughs> something i got to do next week when we start going back. <laughs> okay. Okay. So be next, potentially. And there is the Timelines um, website that I always yeah. have in, in the show notes and stuff. And I'll put it into this show notes as well. And I'm sure that covers... Yeah, what our, what our thoughts are. Yeah. Um, I, you know what? I'll actually go check. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure we say V-next on that one. So. Okay. But it's great stuff, too. Like, it, You know, what we showed today was just a preview of you know the new ways we're thinking about displaying the release pipeline, uh, especially when you have lots of parallel stages and dependencies right. between those stages. I was really glad uh, to be able to say that today. <laughs> But uh, we still have some work to go. I mean, we're still going to make that better. So I'm hoping that by the time we do that, that'll be really great mm-hmm. in the RTM version of the next version of TFS. So I think it was in your session that you mentioned the new agents uh, for yeah. release. Now, deployment uh, groups and agent-based deployments. What, what does that mean? I mean, yeah, push yeah, versus yeah. pull. Uh, yeah. If we're doing a pull, right now it's a push, where my... Um, build machine that's doing the release, it pushes all the stuff out. It connects to the web servers and it uses Windows RM or it uses right. whatever APIs or and it, it, it reaches out and talks to them. Right. You've got to have some kind of security hole from the agent that's right. using its CPU cycles to run tasks and then have like line of sight is, is something I usually like to say, but like uh-huh. network access to this other machine. Right. And so like if it's across a DMZ, if it's across like uh, if it's one of our hosted agents that are trying to talk back to your <laughs> production your production yeah, yeah, kind premises. Yeah. Yeah, that's that is a push base kind of deployment. And you know what? It's it's totally cool. Like there's a lot of things that you know your builder deployment um, processes will want to do on a machine that's just basically a dumb, you know, compute engine right. to run things on. Like, you know, 
you think about archiving and compiling and like there's a bunch of stuff like that and you know when it comes to like Azure like Azure PaaS services like Azure websites mm-hmm. you just need a machine that's going to run you know the tasks for you and then push it out to something like that right so the opposite of that is we literally will run an agent on each of your machines that are in your environments, like your production environments. And, you know, you may have 10 web servers and you may have, you know, three database servers and some back-end job service servers and stuff like right. that. You'll put an agent on each of those. And then we have this concept of grouping those together as a deployment group. Okay. And then inside of your pipeline, you can start to define what tasks you want to run on each of those servers. Okay. So you might want it to pull like the latest desired state uh, desired state configuration. You know, right. DS5, whether that's, you know, with Puppet Chef or with PowerShell DSC, whatever. Right. To have it, you know, change itself. But maybe that's just like running some PowerShell scripts or like running this or running that or copying, you know, the drop down and then replacing the previous website with that. Like, there's a ton of different things, but it's doing that on those machines. And VSTS doesn't have to have access to those machines because those machines are pulling from VSTS. Now, didn't... When release management first came out, I mean... I feel like we're going... It's deja vu. Yeah, yeah. I've been there since the beginning of that one, so... All right, so... (laughs) I mean, it was we agent it before, team. wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and yeah. then it went to push, and now we're going back to agent? Yeah, well... Or, or adding agent as we're a... We're adding, because they're, the, the agent base model and the pool model is something that we have been asked for, because okay. there are really good scenarios for using that, and people are used to that, you know, quite right. frankly. So, you know, lots of great, you know, uh, services that use that model... And sometimes that's the way people are thinking. And so, mm-hmm. hey, you know, we want to make, we're all about choice uh, right. in Visual Studio Team Services. We want to make sure that both of those were uh, able to go. And it's, it's a bit better. So if you think about, like, some of the complexity that goes on in one of those deployments, right. like, you want it to know, like, hey, I have 10 web servers, but I don't want my app to go down. So let's limit how many servers it's going to bring down at any given time, you know, removing them from the rotation. So you can even start to set things like that. And it's able to help, like, keep keep the environment still clean. Mm-hmm. And so you need that orchestration around that, too. So mm-hmm. made it part of VSTS. Uh, we made it to where, uh, you know, one big differentiator I think we have versus the other solutions that are available in the market is we don't charge you based on agent, whereas the other ones do. So that's a, that's, I think that's a big deal. Okay. Yeah. That's I, a big deal. I, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't grok as to why that was such a big deal. Yeah. It's like I, the agents are free now. When I do the build that's right. agents, you know, they're already free. So I was I didn't understand the difference, but now because you're putting so many of those agents out there and, and paying yeah. by the pipeline versus... Okay. And, and not just paying by the created pipeline. You can have 100 pipelines, but if only five of them are running at any given time, we're, we're actually charging now on concurrency. So what is the maximum number? And I, I forget, Buck told me that um, even with our large team, like uh-huh. the most pipelines we've ever run concurrently at any given time was like 35. Huh. And so like 
for us, that would be like only 35 concurrent pipelines that we would need to make sure we had. And whether that's like the free ones that you get or the ones included with your subscriptions or the ones you pay for, like right. a private pipeline's $10 a month and then a hosted pipeline's $40 a month. So um, we, made it, we made it so that you could do that and not have to worry about all the different agents that you might have because you're going to have different configurations. You're going to have... Right. Like if you think about... Uh, I've known some really cool big groups uh, in some large enterprises that have even created like their own build service. Like like the one that we have, but on-premises. But before uh-huh. we had a build <laughs> service, like it's pretty cool. Like I've seen them like create like how they spin up VMs and how they add mm-hmm. that as an agent to a controller and then they bring it down and like scale out some amazing stuff but if you were to think about if we were charging by the agent and some of those kinds right. of things it wouldn't make sense for those so we just said hey look it's much easier to think about pipelines from a concurrency standpoint so yeah we did that I hope it I hope everyone likes is there an decision. offline story for installing the agents there's an offline if those machines don't have access to the internet oh that's a great question I don't think that that's going to that's not going to work if you're using Visual Studio Team Services. Oh, so, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, if yeah. it's TFS, yeah, sure. As long as those agents can talk back to your TFS server. Right. Okay. Yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, we're fighting a battle right now. We got to build machines that they're not letting us talk to the internet. Yeah. So it makes you oh. know NuGet and NPM really hard to. I take that back. Um, one option you can do is you could um, leverage. Azure Express Route, mm-hmm. which is a private connection between your on-premises network and our Azure data centers, and you can have traffic flowing over that. Okay. So that would be one one way you could do that without going to the public internet. Yeah. Well, we are coming to the end of our show. Oh, um, beer time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope they haven't run out. That would be that would be sad. No, I know. I th- I think they have some more left. So it's good. It's good. <laughs> Well, Ed, I really appreciate you coming back on the show. We'll have to have you on again sooner yeah, than sooner seven than years. Seven years, yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe when <laughs> when when a build turns into PTC again yeah, or, yeah. or something like that. <laughs> Nothing's new under the sun. <laughs> um, I'll have links to the migration guide, the timelines um, in the show notes, uh, as well as to your sh- session that you did today yeah, with, yeah. with Sam. It was a lot of fun. Um, the Googs. If you guys want to give us your feedback, you can send us an email at RadioTFS at Outlook.com. We're on Twitter at RadioTFS. We're also on Facebook slash TFS, and I still don't have the voicemail number that nobody ever uses anyway. <laughs> no voice. Re- remember, guys, you can go to the website and get the voicemail number. It's there. We'll play your voicemail on the air as long as it's safe for work. <laughs> Don't make me have to call my own voicemail and leave a message to play that on the air. Because, you know, guys, if you guys don't do it, I'm going to do it. (laughs) So, you know, make it so. Uh, Ed, thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate it. It's been awesome. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to Radio TFS. 